You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. You're alive 
Your love is greater, your love is stronger, your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater, your love is stronger, your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater, your love is stronger, your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater, your love is stronger, your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater, your love is stronger, your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my song, because you are good. You're good, oh, you are good, you're good, oh, you are good, you're good, oh, you are good, you're good, oh, let the king of You are good. You're good. 
Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you.
Good morning. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors here at Living Word Chapel, and I oversee the small groups ministry. This is my wife, Ruth. And uh, Pastor James asked if we would share a message with you uh, about the grace of God. And it's a subject that's dear to our heart. In fact, on June 1st, we uh, launched a church-wide small group campaign that's called the Grace Course. You may have heard grace defined as God's unmerited favor. You know, not getting what I deserve, but getting what I don't deserve. And although this definition is true, it can become too cliche, and we tend to gloss over it and miss the fullness of what God's grace is all about. Now, the subject of grace is found throughout Scripture and is the focus of the New Testament, since it's the only way by which people can approach a holy God. God created us to be His image bearers. Male and female, we were created in His likeness and in the image of God. And we have value because God created us to be in union with Himself. We are His idea. Think about that. We're His idea. God had a plan for you. And His plan was that we live in a loving relationship with Him and experience all the good things that He has for us. Now, unfortunately, this fullness of life was corrupted when sin entered the world through Adam's willful disobedience. God is gracious and loving, but he's also holy and just. And sin cannot dwell in his presence. When Adam sinned, the union that man had with Almighty God was broken. And everyone born from Adam, and that's all of us, were left with a void of a life without God. And so we go through life trying to fill this void with relationships and all sorts of things. But no matter what we do or, or what we acquire, it doesn't fill that void. We even try to do our best to be approved by God through good behavior. But we always fail miserably. And that's where grace comes in. In our own behavior, we can never attain the holiness and justice that is required to live in communion with our maker. Because you see, God requires perfection, not just improvement. And we all have sinned. And we don't just need forgiveness for our sins. We need a radical interior transformation and freedom from the sinful condition that separates us from God. Now, the good news of grace is that God came to earth personally to decisively deal with a sin problem that hindered our relationship with him. Jesus came to earth in the flesh, born of a virgin, not of the seed of sinful men. So as the perfect and holy God, he took upon himself the punishment that we deserved. And dying in our place on the cross, he conclusively freed us from our sinful condition. Our salvation, redemption, and restoration and our relationship back in union with God is not based on our behavior. It's based on our accepting by faith the free gift of his grace. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says it very well. It says, for it is by grace... You have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. 
That's right. And that's God's plan of salvation for humanity. In a nutshell, the grace of God is an unmerited gift. We can't earn it. Romans 11.6 explains it this way. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. And if it were, grace would no longer be grace. But many Christians think that grace is only there for salvation. But grace is so much more than that. God's grace continuously eradicates our shortcomings and empowers us to live a victorious and fruitful life. Grace is God's provision of what we desperately need but can't in ourselves provide. Not living by grace leads believers to live below their full potential, leaving them feeling frustrated and defeated. And we fail to grasp the extent of God's grace. It can prohibit the growth and the maturity that we have in our Christian walk. Now, there are two important elements that we need to appropriate in order to walk in the grace of God. And the first one is, we must know who God is. And it is so important to know who God is because a distorted belief about our Heavenly Father will leave us living a discouraged Christian life. We must make sure that our concept of God aligns with Scripture, with what Scripture says about God. And this is because we always behave according to what we believe. In fact, we can't help but act according to what we think to be true. That is why a faulty belief in God will distort that relationship that we would have with him. A faulty belief about God, God's expectations of us will leave us defeated. And we also might have faulty expectations of God, and that can leave us feeling disappointed. Now, for many years, I had an incorrect belief about God, thinking that he was distant and uninterested in me. I thought of him to be stern and demanding, a nitpicking perfectionist critical of my every failure. This faulty belief greatly affected my relationship with him because I thought that my behavior had to be perfect in order to be accepted by him. And believe me, my countless, my many failures, mistakes, and sometimes outright rebellion left me feeling guilty and ashamed. Now, guilt is a legal term that describes a fact. When a judge says, guilty, he pronounces the person to be at fault. But shame is different. It is an inner condition that says, I myself am sinful. And it fills us with a feeling that we don't measure up as a person. Now, this pushed me away from God because I thought of myself as unworthy and actually led me to fail even more building feelings of disappointment in myself, and even resentment. And although I was a Christian, I was not living a victorious life. Yeah, I agree with Ruth, because I had a similar experience growing up. I thought I was under God's magnifying glass, and that he was looking at my every failure and blunder. And I thought that he was disappointed in me, and maybe even ready to zap me at any moment. 
And just like Ruth, I thought God would only accept me if my performance was perfect. Although I knew God loved me and would forgive me, I couldn't avoid the thought that I was a letdown to God. And my Christian life could be characterized as walking on eggshells. So it's important that we choose to believe the truth of who our Heavenly Father is. You see, our faith is increased as our knowledge of God grows. If we have little knowledge of God, then we'll have little faith. Reading Scripture helps us to discover the whole story of who God is. He is truly just and righteous. But Scripture time and time again states that our Heavenly Father is intimate and involved in our lives. He is kind and compassionate warm and affectionate, and he is fully committed to our spiritual growth. Listen to how the psalmist describes him in Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father he is to his children. He's tender and he's compassionate to those who fear him. Now that doesn't sound like a cruel taskmaster that can never be pleased, does it? No, absolutely not. In fact, the focus of Jesus' three-year ministry on earth was to reveal to us the heart of the Father. Through many parables and sermons and teachings, he demonstrated the character of God not as a distant deity that must be appeased, but rather as the glorious, loving creator who has an eternal purpose for us. From the first chapter of Genesis, we see the value and meaning that he gave to man. Just as Mike said, he created us to be his image bearers. And as scriptures progress chapter by chapter, we see his continuous interaction to lovingly draw humanity unto him. In the book of Jeremiah, we see this desire when God said through the prophet, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. And it was this everlasting love that led Jesus to give his life for us. He gave his life for us, and then he gave his life to us. We can accept this gift of his grace, and when we do so, we become his children. So as you can see, it is very important that we know who God truly is, what his character is like, so that when we walk, we can walk in the grace of God. But also, very importantly, point number two is we must also know who we are. Yeah, we need to appropriate the truth that a drastic change took place the moment that we placed our trust in Jesus. Our identity was completely transformed. We became his children. And this transformation is one that will last throughout all eternity. 
Look at what Scripture has to say about who we are. In Ephesians 5.8, we read, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. Look at that difference between darkness and light. We've been transformed. In 1 Corinthians, it says, God has united you with Christ Jesus. Christ made, you, made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. And we read in Romans 8, 17, that since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Can you imagine that, being an heir of God's glory? But that's what Scripture says. And this new identity is granted to us by his grace. We cannot earn it. I certainly don't deserve to be an heir of God's glory by my behavior or my performance. And there's nothing I could do to become united with Christ and one with him in spirit. What could I do to earn his holiness and purity? So if by grace, through faith, that is granted to us, it cannot be lost because of our failures or blunders. Nothing can take away our status as children of God. We belong to him. His blood flows through our veins. He imputes upon us his righteousness. And we can never attain more perfection based on our performance than we already have in Christ Jesus. Since we are already God's own righteousness, can you fathom that? If you're a Christian, God has given you his righteousness. This new identity and position frees us to live the abundant life that Christ has provided. And this life can be lived motivated by love. We can serve the Lord out of love rather than out of guilt, shame, obligation, or even fear. These false motivators came as a result of our poor performance and consistent failures. The truth about us is that in Christ, there is no longer any condemnation. We are free from guilt. We are pronounced innocent. We are pronounced not guilty. And in Christ, we have a new identity. And that makes us free from shame. We are free from shame because God is the giver of value and worth. An abundant life of freedom and victory awaits us when we choose to live in the grace of God. We can live with interior peace, full of confidence that we are loved and accepted and forgiven and free. A loving, peaceful relationship with God is not only available to all, but it's actually the reason why we exist, why God created us, so that we could live in that communion with the eternal God forever. Now, perhaps you've never accepted the gift of His grace, and you're not enjoying this true connection with God. But really, it's as easy as ABC. That's right. The first thing you need to do is admit you're a sinner. Acknowledge that you were not only born into sin, but that you yourself have blown it. You've fallen short of God's holiness and have sinned. 
Be as for believe in Jesus. He came to pay the price for your sin. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to me, come to the Father, except through me. And finally, C stands for confess him as Lord. Receive him as your Savior. Scripture tells us that if we confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we would be saved. So if today you are ready to say yes to God, if you're ready to get rid of what's keeping you from God, I invite you to say this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, today I admit that I need your forgiveness and your grace for my sin. I believe that Jesus gave his life on the cross to take my sin and guilt and reconcile me to you. I confess Jesus as the Lord of my life and choose to give myself to you. Thank you that I can be restored by your grace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, if you're a Christian, but your, li your life is filled with consistent guilt, shame, and fear. God invites you today to experience freedom from everything that is weighing you down. Today, know that God is your loving Father. He is pleased with you and fully accepts you as His child. Also know that you are united with Christ and one with Him in spirit. And no sin, no failure, no disappointment can ever take that away from you. In Christ, you are secure. We are completely safe in his hands, and the knowledge of this fills us with peace. And you know, Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, it really says it all. It says, I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons. Neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So our action step today is to give ourselves to God entirely. Give yourself wholly to God. Give Him your heart completely. Surrender yourself to Him and place your full trust in His goodness and in His grace. There is really no other way to live. There is no other purpose in life than to live for Him. And he's made it possible by his grace. So let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. That grace that has made our salvation possible. We can never attain the holiness needed to live in relationship with you. But you have given us this undeserved position and new identity so that we can live a fruitful life here on earth and continue in abundance throughout eternity. Let your truth penetrate deep within our hearts so that we can appropriate it and apply it to our day-to-day -day experience. 
guide us in your truth, which sets us free from the bondage of guilt and shame and fear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful week. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.